up and running. It's the gardening program here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. A very good morning, Porik. How good are you morning, today? Deirdre. I'm absolutely fantastic. And why wouldn't I be? <laughs> why wouldn't you be? Sunshine. Yeah, I well, I think everybody's in flying form this ah, morning. It's been great. People have been up doing the darkness into light walk, and uh, lots of people I think have stayed up. Um, so we've had a busy program up to now, and I suspect an even busier hour ahead of us. Absolutely, you've it's come in with loads of color, plenty of color, and look at the weather has been just superb in the last uh, five or six weeks. It really has. It's been great, great gardening weather, great weather for people getting out and doing bits and bobs in the garden um, I would say that with that easterly wind it's very very drying so um, a lot of plants are drying out so particularly for listeners that may have planted up window boxes or containers or planted new trees or shrubs or fruit trees or whatever in the last three to four weeks make sure you water them I know I've said that for the last week or two and it's great that I have to keep reminding people they have to water plants um, but, the, but you know things are beginning to dry certainly and that wind as plants come into leaf Natural enough, it's like drying a blanket. It dries in in a very short period. So make sure you, and when you water, water the soil, not the plants. So obviously, you know, leave the hose running for a short period or put a bucket of water on a, on a plant. Um, so heavy watering at the moment. Um, the other thing I'd, I'd just remind listeners is that the mm-hmm. UV light, you, you mentioned it's moderate at the moment. And yeah. Um, the farmers and the builders were warned during the week about uh, the risk of uh, sunlight, particularly with um, with uh, melanoma and all those sort of things. And particularly for gardeners that are getting back out in the garden. You know, you can lose yourself for two or three hours in the garden and not realise that the wind is actually burning you, the high UV light at the moment. So um, certainly sun protection is important at the moment. But watering is the key thing anyway at the moment. There's lots of colour. Lots of plants have come into leaf and into flower in the last... Uh, certainly 10 days the plants are responding to the good weather and uh, it's a great time to plant colour so I brought some yes. interesting plants in for plants that I think are interesting and particularly for listeners that might have confirmations or communions or of weddings there are loads on today I have well, to say there's loads of colour at the moment there's a huge amount of plants that have just come into flower in the last week or two and I brought some of my own favourite plants this is a, a real old fashioned, um, it's in the geranium family, it's a plant called Pelargonium a very easy plant to grow it's got those old style uh, cottage garden geranium flowers it'll flower for the whole summer and lovely in window boxes and containers and they're just coming into flower now, that's the first bloom to come on the plant but there's loads of other buds coming on it so as a centrepiece in the middle of a patio pot or even in a hanging basket or window box they're fantastic, particularly if you've got a sunny windowsill or even if you want to keep it indoors in a conservatory or indoor windowsill, mm-hmm. it works really well as well, the little pelargonium so easy to grow, they require small amounts of watering, some liquid feeding during the summer but apart from that they're a no-nonsense easy to grow plant this is again another long flowering plant and one again one of my favourites it's the agoranthemum or parastasi or often called marguerite so it comes under a couple of different names Um, I'm going to hold it up we're actually live on Facebook yes we are sorry we should have mentioned that at the start apologies so we're live on Facebook on the Hawkins Garden Centre site this morning in studio so I'm just holding up the agoranthemum or marguerite plant to the camera so it's a really easy plant to grow I grew these last year in the garden in pots and containers and they flowered right up till September, early October. So you can see this colour on them at the moment, but Mm -hmm. there's loads of buds yet to flower and that plant will continue to flower. It'll probably treble or quadruple its size over the summer period. And with that, it produces new flower buds and new flowers right through until early autumn. So they're the marguerites or parastasi. They come in a range of different colours and um, for me, they're super in pots and tubs and they're 
they tend to be no nonsense again. Pests and diseases don't seem to bother with them um, and they flower for such a long period. But do keep them in a bright, sunny area. Now, you can also plant them in amongst shrub borders mm-hmm. or bays. Just add a bit of colour. Um, so they're great and they can go out at this time of year, even with the, the kind of cooler temperatures at night time. Again, a plant I showed you earlier on. This is a, an unusual it's yeah, unusual, I, 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 well, it's beautiful colour. I, I absolutely love the. Uh, the so the, 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 I, I know you're going to give me the name in a second. <laughs> I will, yeah. Um, the, fa- the fact that the pot now I see uh, matches the actual fl- shade of the flower itself is uh, very impressive, Porig. But that aside, I, I love the shape. It's uh, the pentacles, the five, uh, uh, I suppose, leaves of the of the flower itself. The petals, yeah, yeah the, the flower. Petals, yes. So, so th- this is a plant. It's a plant called platycodon, but the the common name it's called the balloon flower. And the, it's it's known by, as the balloon flower because if you press the buds, they actually pop like a balloon. So kids love this plant because they can go around and just keep pressing the actual buds and you'll hear them popping. Um, so it's called the balloon flower, but it's grown mainly for its beautiful blue flower. It's got these large... I mean, the flowers are nearly three to four inches in diameter. And again, lots of buds to come on it. It is a perennial plant. It's a plant that comes back year okay. after year. It also comes in a nice white form as well. And platycodon grows to about a foot in height, about two to three feet in diameter. So it's lovely in a rockery or a border. Um, very easy plant to grow. It flowers from the end of May or, or the middle of May right through until kind of July sort of period. And, and as I say, it's a perennial. But it's an, a little novelty plant as well, particularly if you've got kids you want to get a bit of fun aspect you know the little buds will actually pop you can hear them popping there and then <laughs> so when them. you pop it uh, does it can you repop it or well it'll, it'll actually it actually no, no. Back, it, it once it's popped that's it is it like it. Um, you know what's the stuff that we use for um, packaging the air, yes yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, Sorry, the, the bubble wrap the bubble wrap, wrap. You, yeah. yeah it's exactly the same as okay, that you get yeah. the same kind of popping sensation okay. no it doesn't unfortunately and are you you're not causing any damage by no you're not the plant will grow perfectly flying the flowers will come out perfectly flying so that's a plant called the balloon flower. It's a little bit unusual, a little bit different. Yeah, it's I got, just think it's very stunning in terms of just from a visual fr- perspective. From the pop, colour. Popping aside. Absolutely. Yeah. that It's got, a, a, I suppose, a navy purple flower when and blue or purple is kind of difficult to get in the garden. So it's quite a nice one. So that's platycodon, um, ca- called the balloon flower. It comes in white and blue. And again, you can plant it out of doors at this time of year. So um, really simple and plant so, And all of those buds are going to produce flowers, are they? Will, okay, yeah. so there's, quite, there's, quite, there's quite a volume of flower for months yet um, a really really nice plant and the other one I brought in then was the non-stop begonia and I love these because as the name suggests they don't stop flowering from May until October you're kind of looking at them in the autumn early winter and they're still in flower and you you know you want to put in the winter pansies Mm. or whatever and you're nearly taking them out whilst they're still in bloom so non-stop begonias as their name suggests, don't stop flowering the whole summer long. And irrespective if we get a dry summer or we get a wet summer, begonias actually are one of those plants that do extremely well. So they're great in pots and containers. They're great in, in, in flower beds as well and a really easy plant. And they come in a whole range of different colours. So even just to plant up a whole patio pots of non-stop begonias, they give a stunning show right through to the end of the, the summer. And uh, is the non-stop begonia and the pelargonium, are they related at all? No. No, okay. no not even first cousins. Okay. One is a begonia in the begonia family and the pelagonium is more is related to geraniums. Remember the lemon-scented geranium yes. I brought in last week yeah. or your traditional geranium? They're 
they're they're they're all in the one family. Begonia come from a different. They're a different type of plant. And begonias I find good because, as I say, irrespective of the summer, if we do get a wet July or August, begonias just seem to thrive in those sort of wet conditions. They do extremely. They like they're, a bit of humidity. They're very and all of that. they're very reliable, particularly as a bedding plant in pots, containers, window boxes, or indeed planted out into a large mass bed. You'd often see them maybe in, you know, in some of the tidy towns use them because they're so reliable. Um, but they're just some of the plants. I mean, there's a whole myriad of colour available at the moment. Um, plants like Uriops and the Gazinia that I mentioned for the graves is, is still available and still flowering at the moment. So it's great planting weather as long as you water and your liquid feeding would be the other thing as plants are now coming into growth. Make sure you liquid feed. With the heat as well, dear, mm-hmm. I did mention last week that people should keep an eye out for aphids and, and green fly in general <clears throat> are beginning to uh, appear on plants. Yeah. Um, so do keep control of those. Use the organic sprays like the, the PY um, spray because prevention is better than curing. In this heat, they, they start to breed and they start to multiply. So check your roses and just keep them in good condition. Feeding roses at this time of year, again, is important. Lupins are going to be coming into flower about the third week of May. So this is the time to plant lupins. If you like that old cottage garden look, um, there's a lovely range called the West Coast Series, which are a dwarf, shorter version of the traditional lupin. Mm -hmm. So the West Coast Series. So they're a short lupin, long spike of flower, but the foliage stays low to the ground. um, And they're lovely planted in groups of maybe threes or fives to get that really nice cottage garden (coughs) effect. And is that the West Coast of Ireland they're referring to? No, no, it's just... We can pretend that it is the West Coast of Ireland, but no, that's that is just a, it's a, a breed of lupin that've been okay. hybrid to to be short in stature, but it's produced the long spike of flower. So they're very compact, very neat. That you can put them in amongst shrub borders and beds. Great planted on mass in in threes, fives, or sevens. Um, and they, they actually suit, I suppose, the west of Ireland because they're not as exposed to the. I thought perhaps the that's where if they're if well, they're a little pretend, on the shorter yeah. side, that yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. they had their their gen- genesis in that, but obviously not. No, well, no, no, they're not actually, but they will suit our climate so well because because of their their neat and very compact. And um, but a lovely cottage garden plant. It's an old favourite and. And I suppose they've improved the varieties. It used to be the old Russell hybrids, which were tall, very colourful, but got a bit gangly. Whereas the West Coast series is quite compact and, and um, uh, it's a really good plant to plant now. And cottage garden plants in general, this is the time to start getting them in. The foxgloves, the penstemons, or rudbeckias, which is a great summer flowering plant. Those plants that will come back year after year. Again, great planting weather at the moment. There is actually quite a bit of moisture still in the soil. You know, the first couple of inches is quite dry. But yeah. once you get down, once you put it down a spade depth, there's, pl- there's still there's plenty of moisture there. So it's it's very good planting weather. And the, the fact that the soil is warming up, the plants are going to settle in very well. I suppose the key thing is that after planting, that you just keep an eye. And when we say watering, it's not, <clears throat> don't be going out every evening sprinkling a little bit of water on your plants. Water heavily and leave the plant alone for a full week or 10 days. So it's not that we have to be continually watering. It's it's about water heavy and then leave it for, you know, you can... And I, I, listening to the BBC uh, forecast last night, rain is promised... Oh, is it? <laughs> at the end of uh, well, we're we're on the short term <laughs> one here, but on the long term, rain is promised kind of next Friday, yeah. Saturday. Okay. So from so next weekend, we are a week away. So if you give plants a really good heavy soaking now, they shouldn't need watering possibly again till next weekend. And if the rain comes, then you're perfectly okay. <laughs> so they're the kind of key things, dear. You know, the veg garden again, planting out of vegetables. It's not too late if people still have sea potatoes in their garage that they bought earlier on. Get them into the ground; they'll, they'll jump out of the ground. And um, it's still 
not too late to put in uh, main crops, sea potatoes and even some of the early varieties, they'll still do very well. All the vegetable plants, you know, all the edibles, they're all available now for planting both in seed form and in plant form. The broccoli, the kales, the cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, plant them now and, and they're just going to take off in this in the, with the heat we're getting, yeah. And we also, just as we were talking about the plants, I noticed my old friend, the easy flowers. Yeah, you grew are, these years yes, ago, didn't I did. you? Yeah, yeah, which I so they're still found them to be very effective, actually. Yeah, well, that, if you're not a big gardener. This is a, a range, of, I suppose it's a pack of, again, I'll put it up to camera, but yep. it's a pack of um, easy growing flowers. So the, the grocer company have selected the easier varieties to grow, very colourful varieties, things like. Um, Cornflowers, English marigolds, um, the dwarf sunflowers, there's a whole range of really bright colours. And all you do is you rake the soil, you chuck on the seed, you rake the seed, the, the, um, the, the, the soil over. They germinate within a couple of weeks and they come into flower normally around the middle of June, right through to the end of the summer. So they're a great way to, to add a splash of colour in the garden from seed and they're relatively cheap and easy to, to, to put into the garden. Okay. So very much the, we're still in the, the time of year for the sowing the seeds of plants, be it herbs, vegetables, um, flowering plants, all of those can still, even grass seed, even though it's dry, you can still get it in and, and sow it now. Okay. load of questions. We're going to start off uh, not so much with a gardening one, but I suppose just maybe a general um, one in terms of applying chemicals, I suppose, things like the moss, the zero and that kind of thing. And, you know, should be should we be wearing the protective wear or gloves or... Yeah, yeah. it's ideal too. Well, first of all, the weather conditions at the moment are great for spraying. So if you have to do any sort of spraying at the moment, be it weed control or or zero to get rid of the moss on, on the lawns or, or moss on paths and driveways. Use this weather because it's absolutely brilliant for, for doing all of these things. Do watch the drift, the wind, when you have the wind drifting onto other plants, particularly if you're using weed killers. But in general, people should use Wellington boots, you know, some rubber boots, ideally, um, and gloves. So not out in the flip-flops. Not in the flip-flops, no. Old clothing or pull-ups. Um, and yeah, generally when you're using any sort of treatments, it is advisable to wear gloves. Yeah, I think those things are generally mentioned yeah. anyway on the back of the pack. You know, so just to, to, yeah, to, yeah. to take heed of that. Okay, is it possible to grow tomatoes in large baskets and pots and what compost do they need? Okay, well, you use your regular um, grocer compost, the Bordemona compost is very good. Um, you could get one actually with the swell gel in it. So the tub and basket compost would be ideal for tomatoes because they do like plenty of moisture, particularly July, August as the fruit is forming. Um, so get yourself a, a bag of that tub and basket compost. Through that, I would mix some slow release fertilizer. So some of the Osmocote or slow release fertilizer, kind of half a handful mixed through the compost. And then get yourself, depending on the variety of tomato you're growing, there are varieties like tumbler, which are perfect in baskets and containers because they literally just tumble out of the basket. There's no side picking of the shoots. They're actually a no-nonsense, really easy way to grow tomatoes. And they're perfect in hanging baskets and tubs. Generally, you'll place three plants into the basket or into the pot, they'll close in together, produce their flowers and fruit then during the summer. There are other varieties like Totem, which grows quite short. It's only about 18 inches to 2 feet in height. So it's perfect on a windowsill or a balcony where you're 
the height might be restricted. Um, and again, great to grow it. You'd want maybe a 12-inch pot for that if it's, it's you know, the upright mm. variety. is a reasonably large pot. And, um, or you can you, you grow the tomatoes in the traditional varieties like Shirley, Alsa Craig, um, in the in, in again in, in a regular kind of large pot, maybe a twenty liter pot. So a good quality compost, tub and basket would be ideal. Mix some of the slow release fertilizer through it. But this is tomato planting time. Yes. And uh, so do get them, start them off. I would keep them indoors for a couple of weeks just yet. Don't place them out of doors till about the second week of June. Um, ideally, if you can keep them inside in a porch. You know, um, inside a window, sunny window, or in a tunnel greenhouse, they're the sort of place to place them at the moment. And then you can bring them out of doors once we get into the middle of June, once things warm up. Lovely. Now, I have an area with clean new soil and would love to have my grandchildren grow some sunflowers or scented flowers from seeds or bulbs. So, what might be good to sow? Okay, well, any of the hardy annuals, you can sow directly out of doors. So we talked last week about night-scented stock, which is lovely, lovely scent at night side, night, night time. You simply just chuck the seed on the ground and they'll grow um, and come into flower about the end of June, the middle of June, end of June. You have plants then like cornflower, um, which again, beautiful blue flowers, yeah. which again are our hardy annual. Plant I love is one called Godetia. It's an old-fashioned cottage garden plant. It's kind of purpley, pink in colour, pink and white in colour. Godetias, they're really easy to grow. White alisum, there's beautiful scent from that. Uh, calendulas, the old English marigold, again, is, can be sown from seed. Poached eggplant. Look, there's a whole range of, of varieties that the children can sow. You could use the easy flowers that we featured you know, that pack like, would be I, suitable, I was just, actually. I was just thinking that because yeah, yeah. there's loads of colour there. And, Absolutely. Um, some of them, they do come on fairly quickly. They do. And, and, and in that easy seed, easy flower mix, you've got the compost, you've got the, the seed and the fertiliser all contained. So you literally just chuck it onto the ground, rake it in, water it and wait for the seeds to come. That might be a perfect one for children. Sunflowers really shouldn't go out outside just yet. They are um, hardy, uh, they're, they're half-hardy annuals that will be affected with cold weather. So they should be planted, sown inside and then planted out of doors about maybe the second week of June. So the kids could do that, plant the sunflower seed in. But the easy flowers would be perfect to put outside or any hardy annuals can be sown out of doors now. Is the weather too dry for seeding alone? I have the soil nearly ready for Great. sowing. What would you think? Well, I would I would use the weather at the moment to get the soil absolutely perfect, to rake it off, to level it off. A key thing when putting in a new lawn is to make sure that when you walk across the surface, you leave a footprint, but you don't sink. If you find, find the ground kind of sinking under you or giving under you, you need to firm up the ground. You need to tread it, walk it or roll it. To, to firm up the ground because that ground even though it may look like a billiard table mm. will settle over the summer or over the autumn period with frost and rain and whatever so the key thing is to get the soil conditions right have it firm underfoot um, have stones removed any debris removed then rake in some preceding lawn fertiliser so something like park and fairway raked into the ground before you seed and then you can put the seed on with rain promised um, next weekend it'll be an ideal time maybe Monday, Tuesday to get the seed on and even though we'll have a couple of dry days the seed will be perfectly okay so as soon as the moisture comes it'll germinate and grow so I wouldn't be leaving I would certainly be getting the, the soil ready getting the conditions ready for sowing and then sow the seed Monday, Tuesday of next week with the rain to come at the, the following weekend so use this weather it's a bit like the bog. In the good weather, you need to go to the bog and, and get the ground the bog, bog this right? morning. A lot of people at least and are in the bog this morning, and, yeah. And lawns are exactly the same. When you get the good weather, you get, get the soil condition right, get it all ready to go and get the seed in and the moisture will come.
yeah, capitalise on the day and the, the couple of days that, that we have. When is the best time to cut the top of a cherry tree to stop it growing so tall? It's about eight years old and the flowers are nearly all gone off it yeah, now. Yeah. Um, and the same for a wall climber, a Chilean potato plant. Yeah, the Chilean potato plant. So with the with the um, cherry and anything, mm. all flowering cherries, the time to prune them is immediately after flowering. Now there's still there's still a bit of colour on most of, of cherry varieties, so maybe leave it another week if you want, but then cut it back feed it, put an application of feed um, around the base of it. Um, So the Chilean potato plant, again, you can lightly prune it back at this time of year, not too severely. So you can take maybe six to eight inches off the plant, tie it in, tie in the side branches in and feed it at this time of year. So climbing plants in general, this is the time of year, whether it's climbing roses, clematis, uh, any of the the, the, um, flowering climbers, this is the time we feed them now and with a high potash feed, something like a um, tomato feed or a um, rose feed Mm. is very good. This particular one is growing tall. It's not spreading out, I suppose, so they're looking to get it spread out. Well, you can, you can, you can take, take about a foot off the top of the plant and then, and bend the branches down. So most climbing plants, ivy or take any traditional climbing plant tends to head vertical. You know, the purpose is to get as Mm. tall as possible. So you try to circumvent that by bending out the branches and that helps to create some lateral shoots and helps to fill in the climber you know, fuller and, and and better. So bend those branches down um, on on the wall and and tie them in. And as because you've bent them down, they'll actually start filling in together. So take a foot off the top, bend down the branches, tie them in, give it a feed, and it'll be perfectly okay. The other thing to do with climbers is, occasionally during the summertime, is to pinch back the growing points. So as they, you know, it's making six or eight inches of growth. If you pinch the top out of those shoots, you get, help them to rebranch and fill in the gaps between each branch. So pinching back during the summer months is a very good idea for all climbing plants as well. Because the natural tendency is to go straight, straight up. up to the light. Yeah. So you try to... Try to um, and when you're planting climbers, it's very important to bend, take them off their bamboo canes, spread them on the wall laterally, left and right, as low down to the wall as possible, because bending out the branches helps to produce new shoots along that branch. And if you pinch those then during the summer, again, you're thickening out the plant, you're training the ivy or the whatever plant it is um, to spread out on the wall and fill up the wall rather than just this just heading Allowing vertical. it to go straight up. Yeah. Now, would it be still okay to plant sweet pea seeds for flowers this summer? Well, it's gone a bit. It's gone a bit late. I mean, you could still sow them, but and they'll, but they'll flower late. What I would advise really is get get you some plants. Um, the garden centres will have plants that were sown a month ago in in the garden centre. They'll be eight or nine inches high at this time of year. Um, so I would go favour the plants now. You could do a bit of both if you wish. You could mm-hmm. put in some plants. Um, again, pinch them back, take the, the ends of the shoots out because that'll increase the amount of flower you get um, and sow some seed as well. But sow the seed indoors on a bright windowsill, get it germinated kind of quickly and those sweet peas from seed will flower more August, September, October period rather than no, summer. So I would, I would favour the plants if you want colour this summer. Now, we have a listener with a rotten hanging basket and they're wondering, um, do you have to put the holes in the plastic lining to let the water through? Well, it, it, what's, what's the best advice? Well, okay, there? so a rattan, the rattan baskets are basically those they're woven, the wick, yeah, yeah, the wicker, wicker type, yeah. and they have a, a liner inside. Now, if that holds water, it's going to during the, if we get a wet summer, it's, it's going, going to get to be a mess. So yes, now what I would do is make the holes about six inches up on the inside of the basket. So you're leaving that the lower six inches will act, act like a little reservoir. 
Oh, and because oh, you clever, put, yeah. yeah, because you put the hole maybe six inches up from the base, any overflow will just weep out there. So halfway down in the basket, put a couple of small holes around the base of it, and that maybe five to six holes around the base, around the the center of the basket, and that'll work perfectly that, okay. Okay, so you'll, 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 yeah. have, yeah. you'll have your you're, moisture. Well, but you're act, exactly. You have a little bit of a re- reservoir, but you've also uh, got the drainage as well. Now, um, I'm not too sure about the pollen count. We'll come back to that. Um, somebody is wondering, the tips of their spring onions are going white. Okay. What, would you they have any idea what the problem might be? Some feeding. And you, I've noticed, on particularly on, on pear trees at the moment and some trees in general, a little bit of scorching on the top of the leaves. And it's due to the that cold easterly wind we're getting at the moment. From and Finland, o- I was told yesterday. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, so you often get that with the tips of with the tips of um, scallions and onions as well. They, with the the top of it, we get cold weather, cold windy weather. They'll just go that yellow or yellowish whitish color. Give it a liquid feed, something like a tomato feed or the Osmo Universal feed, and that'll correct that. It'll bring it back into. It just, green it back just up needs again. a little bit of a boost. It, that's all it needs. I have a steep bank of soil, not practical for a lawn. What can I plant on it to cover the soil and reduce the weeds and grass? Okay, well, it makes perfect sense. It's going to be very difficult to mow that. So there's a whole range of ground covering plants. There's plants like Cotoneaster damari, which is a, an evergreen trailing plant. So it, it spreads out, it carpets the ground. Um, planted in groups, generally on a bank and a slope, you plant in groups of fives or sevens, uh, so that the plant makes this carpet effect. Each plant grows in together and you end up with this overall carpet effect. So on a slope, you might end up with five or six different plants, but then planted in groups of five, sevens or nines to form a, a large carpet carpeting effect on the, on the lawn or on the slope. Now, what I would do is actually probably leave the slope and let the weeds show themselves, first of all. So let the grass and weeds actually come through. Spray that off with something like Weed Free 360, which won't contaminate the soil, and then plant into the bank. So if you allow the weeds to come, or if they're there at the moment, spray those off with the dry weather, leave it for a week, and then plant the bank with ground-covering plants. So there's lots of them. The, the, the Cotoneaster Damari is one. Vinca Major is another great ground-covering plant. It spreads very well. It's got lovely blue flowers. Um, quite a good plant to to put into that carpet effect. This ground covering Ceanotus, the Californian lilac, which again is evergreen, nice blue flowers. So there's lots of carpeting of plants that spread across the ground that would be perfect for that situation. So don't put the grass in, get rid of the weeds and rubbish that might be there and then plant the bank with ground covering plants. Heathers would do very well on it as well, some of the winter flowering heathers. Great. Somebody's wondering, can you repeat the name of the organic uh, spray that you talked about last week? We talked about the PY. Yeah, it's it's a natural spray. Insecticide. Yeah, it's it's made from um, the flowers, the chrysanthemum flower. The, so the extract from the chrysanthemum flower is taken out to create this pyrethrum spray. So it's a natural spray, um, natural product and um, very safe to use on vegetables or fruit trees or plants in general like that. Uh, now, somebody would like plant, to plant some bedding plants for colour in June and July in a bed. Flowers that are really colourful, but low and easy to grow. Well, I suppose some of your begonias. Begonias would be well, lovely. Some of the ones we were talking about at the start of the, the programme, maybe. Yeah, they would be fab. Um, the agaranthemum would be good. There's a lovely plant called... Um, I'm going planting it this year myself. It's mm-hmm. a really old old bedding plant called Nemesia. Nemesia. And it comes in a whole range. It, generally, when you buy it, it it's, uh, I think the variety is Carnival Mix from memory. Um, so it's Nemesia. It grows in height, I suppose, maybe eight inches in height. Very, very bushy. But it comes in a whole range of pastel colours. So they're, 
there's shades of oranges and uh, yellows and pinks and whites and reds and that kind of vibrant um, colours. Colour, yeah. A riot of colour. A I've riot heard, of colour. I've heard it described as. So that's a plant called Nemesia. Very easy to grow. Um, kind of one that has been forgotten about I suppose in the last number and of years it's kind of an old it's an old cottage, cottage garden. garden it's probably I one of the it's here, actually yeah, one yeah. of the plants that I when I started yeah that's it that's it in, in the picture so Nemesia forms a kind of a carpet across the ground you plant it at this time of year so rake off the bed put in a bit of compost put in a bit of fertiliser plant the Nemesia about 8 inches apart pinch back the, gro- the, the shoots again I'm saying that a lot today know, but, but pinch them back because it makes them bushier and um, it'll come into flower yeah about the first week second week of June and it'll flower right through to the, the end of the summer so Nemesia that, that's the one I, I, I'd go for or the, the, the begonias yes. are lovely as well so a listener is wondering what's the uh, best feed for sunflowers I'm in a competition uh, they say also a feed for rhubarb uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, don't blame me oh, now if you don't pressure, win the competi- competition. <laughs> but um, so sunflowers, what I would use mm. is the Osmo Universal Liquid Feed. It's really good. Um, it's an organic-based feed. Uh, it's got everything that the sunflowers are going to need. So put that on every two weeks and uh, keep the sunflower, you know, well, well watered and it should do very well. Now, remember what I said, don't put the sunflowers outside just yet. Keep them inside in a nice bright sunny porch area really warm keep them well watered well fed every two weeks with the Osmo and uh, be perfectly fine so the Osmo Universal it's a liquid feed perfect for sunflowers flowering plants in general and indeed fruiting plants your rhubarb is going to need something a little bit more with a punch in it so you could use um, you could use Pro 6 would be very good uh, or Vitex Q4 would be very good for rhubarb. Generally organic matter, if you can get your hands in some um, stable manure or rotten manure that's, you know, Anyone have a horse. Exactly. Yeah. That's perfect for rhubarb. Um, it really wow. boosted on. Um, so put that some of that on now. But particularly in the winter, you should put a deep layer of rotten manure on top of the rhubarb. Let it rot in over the winter period is the best way to feed rhubarb. Now, the other thing to remember with rhubarb, and I, and I was actually looking at my own crop that I, and I must... It's, it's on my to-do list is to water it well because with this dry weather rhubarb is actively growing it's full of juice so it's not getting enough moisture it'll actually start to slow down so put the hose on it let it run for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes and um, water it heavily so give it a good heavy soaking um, because it actually stops it growing you know okay. rhubarb will, will grow Perfect. vigorously but if it comes under water stress it'll physically stop growing so give it a good soaking as well. So maybe a good watering and then a liquid feed to boost it on. Now we're moving trees and there is a wall at the back of them that we want to plant a hedge to cover. What do you suggest that will grow fast? Well, as I always say with fast growing hedges, you know, they're kind of, um, we wish it was there. They're a double edged sword. They sure are. are. They sure are because they, they generally continue to grow fast. Um, now you have a couple of options here. If if the kind of the, the primary thing is to cover the wall and you want to get you know it, maybe it's unsightly or whatever and you want to just blank it off, you can buy hedging plants at a mature size. So you can get a, a grisolinia hedge, for example, or a laurel hedge or a Portuguese ro- laurel at six feet high, instant. So you can plant it literally tomorrow, and it'll be and it's it'll there. cover the wall. 
But, you know, think of when you're putting in hedging, the, the key thing is to remember what height you want the hedge to grow to ultimately. So if it's between five and six or seven feet, go for something that's relatively slow growing or moderately growing because it, there'll be less trimming long term with it. If you put something vigorous in like Lelandii or common laurel, then you've got feet of growth per year and that continues for many, many years and you have to keep on trimming them. Um, so... You know, just be careful what you select. So my advice maybe is what you can do, if you wish, is to take a photograph of the wall area, bring it into the garden centre, and we can superimpose a hedge into that area. So we can show you what an Eliagnus would look like or a Grisolinia would look like or a Portuguese laurel would look like. We can give you the options based on the picture. So all I need is a digital photograph taken from your phone. It would be perfect. So take a photograph of it. Um, You can either email it in Mm-hmm. to the centre or bring it into the centre and we can superimpose then a, and an actual hedge. And you can see what, what the options exactly, are like. Exactly, but do be careful. But, you know, select the plant. What do we say about weeds? Weeds are plants that are the wrong plant. Are they, they, they're, they're a the, plant in the wrong, the wrong location. Correct. So, um, so you know, just be careful about the selecting because too often we see people cutting back big lelandia trees or laurels where they're, you know, they're just too much Have work. taken over. Yeah. yeah. Whereas there, there is a hedge that will grow or considering you could also put in a plant called firethorn, pyracanthia or firethorn, which is a walled shrub. So it grows against the wall. It kind of give, forms a hedge. It flowers in April. It buries in um, April, May. It buries then from September right through to January, February, and it retains its foliage 12 months of the year. And I've actually got a lovely picture of that. I can show the, the client, you know, the customer, that picture of, of a pyracantha against a wall. So that would be a good option as well. And there's very little maintenance with the pyracantha. So you, it could be either a wall shrub, like pyracantha or cyanotus, or a hedge. But do be careful about the plant you put in. Because there's, so, there's, so many, there's such a great choice of hedging plants to choose from. You know, rather than just sticking something in that's just going to be fast growing, pick the right one. Yeah, and have, have a think about it. Yeah. And it's definitely a great option to uh, take the photo. Take the photo. The, do that's the superimposing and exactly. avail of the technology that is available yeah, to us. great. What's the best perennial flower to plant in a windy spot? Why? Well, what does well in 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 co- with those west coast um, lupins would be lovely because they're short and compact. Ground covering geraniums are great. They're very low. They're um, you know very compact. There's a lovely plant called Artotus, which is um, a daisy-like flower, large daisy-like flower. It does really well in coastal areas. Got silver foliage. Grows to about eight and inches, two feet in height, um, but does it's quite strong and, and, and bushy. Um, Rudbeckia, flowers for the whole summer. Again, it's quite quite a sturdy plant. So, you know, go for dwarf, short, compact, sturdy. Cedum Autumn Joy, which flowers in August, September. Great plant in coastal areas as well. Arum lilies, the white arum lily. You'll see the best of them in Ackle. Shasta daisy, which is the white chrysanthemum. Again, a great seaside plant. Osteospernum, the ground covering osteospernum. So look, at there's a whole range of plants that grow in exposed uh, areas that come back year after year. Again, pop into your local garden centre. They'll advise you on, on some of the best. And it's a great time to plant because they will. if you plant today, they will flower this year. Sure. How do you go about deadheading geraniums? Quite simply, and what we mean by deadheading is removing the old flowers. And the idea of, you know, the function of any plant, as I keep reminding people, is not there to give us a show of colour, it's there to produce seed. So when you stop a plant producing its seed, it continues to reflower. And that's what we mean by deadheading, removing the old flowers so that you encourage the plant to produce new flower buds and new growth. And that keeps the flowering period longer. Um, 
all you do is you take the stem of the geranium, follow it back, the flower stem, and just break it off or snip it off with a, with a, um, a scissors if you wish. And you, you deadhead a geranium maybe every two to three weeks. If you do that continually during the summer, water it, liquid feed it, it will flower till October for you. Now, you mentioned weeds there being plants in the wrong location. Bishop weed seems to be in the wrong location <laughs> in a few gardens. Is there anything that will kill it off? Well, it's, it's, bishop weed is a, is a ground-covering weed. Um, it comes through the ground very early in March and it really carpets the ground and spreads. This is the time to spray it. And using something like the SBK brushwood killer mm-hmm. is very effective on it or um, the Weed Free 360. Either of those can be applied um, and again, this sort of weather would be ideal. Watch the drift, that it doesn't drift onto beneficial hedging or plants around where that you've got the bishop weed growing. But it is a very persistent and it's one that you kind of, you want to persist with. You want to treat it now and if there's any regrowth, treat it again and you will eliminate it. Now, did you get the super nemos in yet or do you have a substitute that can be used? No, well, the problem with the sub- super nemos, um, the supplier is not supplying them anymore. Oh. And, and, and what he tells me is because it's due to Brexit. <laughs> So there's my first casualty. I was going to say that's the first horticultural casualty. That's my first casualty of of Brexit. Interesting, I suppose. They're not available. Unfortunately, and Super Nemo's, to explain to people, were the treatment that were used for carriage root fly, for uh, things like leather jackets, vine weevil. It was that natural parasitic parasite that would go in, you water it on, and it would kill them off. But they're not available this year, unfortunately. So that's leaving a big gap, particularly for, for. Vegetable growers who want to grow them organically, mm. and a lot of our our, our my friends is in the that, nursery is, is that a, is that a business opportunity for somebody? It could be, but they're 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 tricky enough because you're actually dealing with live they're live parasites, so they have to be um, bred in laboratory conditions. Okay. You know, it's not, have to it's be refrigerated. not just a matter of... Uh, unfortunately, it's not. <laughs> I su- wish it having was. Having a patch of super down yeah, the back yeah. and see how no, we, we get it's, on. It's right. not that easy because okay. they die off at the end of the year and you have to kind of um, start them off again. Okay. So, no, there's, there's nothing really on the market at the moment to replace it, unfortunately. Now, what I would suggest to people is if you are growing carrots this year, go for the... Uh, resistant varieties, the the carriage fly resistant varieties. Um, so there's the resist fly, which is very very good. Fly away, which is also um, uh, a good one. Or Mastro from Sutton Seed. Both of those three varieties are quite good against carriage root fly. Um, but it is going to be a problem this year. Or net, you can net carrots as well to keep the fly off. Okay, well, I suppose if, if we know that the supernemos or lack thereof is going to be a difficulty, then it would be advisable to try and look at the options for the resistance. So it's, it's resistant varieties is what you need to look at. Absolutely. How can I get rid of ivy? I've loads growing in the hedge and the shrubs. It must be one of the most popular questions we get. I even had it on, on RTE yesterday. Somebody trying to get rid of it off his shed. But anyway, okay, so it's simple to do. Um, all you do is uh, cut the ivy to ground level or close to ground level. The stems will die. Obviously, the stems that you've cut off will die. Um, but as it starts to reshoot in three to four weeks' time, you can spray the uh, butt of the ivy or the new growth with SBK brushwood killer and that would kill it off. Oh, here's an interesting one. I don't know. I see. Data. I see my neighbour putting washing powder on the tarmacadam to kill the moss. Yeah. Would you recommend this? Well, I mean, the does thing it is, work? It, well, it does work, uh, and anything that has bleach in it will. Then it's going to be white stuff everywhere. It is. That's the problem. 
that's the problem the powder is there for particularly in this dry weather it's great in wet, before wet weather to put it on but basically what's happening there is that you've got the um, the bleach that's in the in the washing powder is, is killing off killing the moss off. as well so but you have to cover the entire area with, with washing with powder, powder. Uh, okay. But it does work, yeah, absolutely. It'll, it'll work it Depends on, on how big of an area you have, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. Or use the pack treatment, which is very effective. And, um, and it's not white. It's not white. No, 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 no. You just <laughs> spray it on, you mix yeah. it in water, put it on. And again, I suppose, you know, like we said at the top programme, if people have, you know, moss control things to do or any kind of spraying to do, be it insecticide or weed killers or whatever, this is the weather to do it. Lawn set two, three weeks ago, just starting to grow. Do I need to water it every evening? The answer is no. Like I said, and, and people do get, you know, and it's a, quite a common question that people can actually overwater things as well. They think that after a dry day, oh, I need to rewater again. You don't. If you, if you, the best thing to do is to get your hose and get a, get a, one of the sprinklers, the little oscillating sprinklers, and put it on water heavily. But you won't need to water again. When did the listener do it? Yesterday? Yeah. So if the watered heavily yesterday, I think the lawn should be fine, certainly till midweek of of next week. And if rain is promised kind of Friday, Saturday, it'll be perfectly fine. But water, when you're watering, water heavy and, and leave it for six, seven days before rewatering again. Now, we've white beam trees that are 30 foot high wow. near the house. Okay. When can I cut them back and how much can I cut? Well, you can, like white beams, generally speaking, that's that's huge for a white beam. They, 30 foot. Yeah, we? normally you're looking at kind of 18 to 20 feet for white beams. Now, um, in, a, in a nice sheltered area with perfect conditions, of course, they grow taller. I would leave the pruning till wintertime. Um, so leave it until the October, November sort of period for the sorbus for the white beam. So enjoy it at the moment. They're lovely and colourful at the moment. And next winter, go in and then you can selectively take out maybe a third of the shoots, the longer shoots, and prune it back. Um, don't don't be tempted to prune it all back. You'll end up with a, you know, it'll look, it'll look cropped. It won't look natural. So selectively take out some of the stronger stems out of the tree. So mm. about a third of the stronger stems could be selectively taken out. And if you do it in November, you'll see it'll be easier to see and easier to prune and easier to do at that time of year. Now, they're not going to grow any bigger. That's one thing for sure. 30 feet is no, as good as it gets. No, that's as good as it gets for a white beam. I mean, that's that would be... So they're, they've done their growing as it were. So if you can live with them at that si- height or maybe slightly shorter, then, you know, just prune them back to that. But don't be tempted. I often see trees and they're just mopped back. The whole, all branches are and cut back. And it all back. just looks odd. And it just looks... Nav. Yeah. It doesn't look natural. Now, the laurel hedge we have has grown okay until this year. Any idea what's the reason? Is there, there's absolutely no growth this year. Well, in... It's been a bit slow, I think. It is. Just it, all, uh, from my own experience. And what you'll find but is... But I see it's growing now. Yeah, well, if, if, if you have a garden that's nicely sheltered and in a sun trap, the growth is very strong on it. But if you've got a garden that's open to that easterly wind it's holding it back and the wind has that effect on plants particularly plants like laurel and plants in general They're, it'll just it's like pruning them back it just keeps them stunted so don't worry about it if you want you can give them a, a dressing of feed an, an Osmo Pro 6 or a tree and shrub fertiliser but as soon as we get tomorrow is 20 degrees now you're going to see some rapid growth and particularly as we go into next week when the easterly wind starts to dissipate you're going to see very very significant growth so I wouldn't worry about that laurel hedge it'll be fine 
Now, uh, somebody wondering what to do with lupins that they have moved to growing along a wall. They don't seem to be doing any good since they moved them. What should they do with them? They're based in Claremorris. Well, uh, what I would do is if, if they move them in the last number of weeks, good heavy soaking, a liquid feed, that should be all that's required. Check that there, there's no aphids on them, no green fly, because that would certainly hold them back. And I've seen lots and lots of examples of um, green fly and lupins at the moment. So just check they're, they're, they're aphid free water them well, feed them well, and, and they should come back fine. Lupins are a good old, easy, yeah. robust plant. Loads naturally, of Naturally, when you move something, when you dig something up and move it... It, it needs time to read. Well, you give it a shock, yeah. naturally enough. It's, it needs, there's a healing process that needs to happen. It needs to re-root. So naturally, it's going to look sad for a couple of weeks until it starts to produce new growth and, and new roots and, and settles in. So, you know, it, it'll be fine. Water them well, feed them well, but do check them for the bugs as well. Now, was somebody wondering about watering in a tunnel? So yeah. they have tomatoes of a pot planted beside the tomato plant but uh, and put water into that, okay? Uh, the spinach, cauliflower, beetroot and onions as well in this tunnel. So they're wondering, should they water just once a week or daily or what should they do there? Well, in a, in a tunnel situation... That's different. Yeah, because you're not getting the easterly wind effect, right? So the temperatures are rising very dramatically and um, so keep an eye on the generally with a tunnel I would water heavily twice weekly should be plenty remember that most of the plants that you're sowing are quite small so they're not using a huge amount of moisture so you know check and you know so say you water today check on Tuesday Wednesday to see what the soil is like go down a couple of inches and just scrape it back and just see the sort of moisture levels that are in it but generally speaking tunnels in my own tunnel I'm watering about twice a week now um, and that's it. It, it. They shouldn't need more than that, particularly young plants, young seedlings. As we get into the summer months, with particularly with tomatoes, you will you'll water nearly every second day. So it will start to increase as the plants get bigger and as the temperatures start to rise, and as the, particularly as they start to form fruit. But be careful that you don't overwatering, because that can be as destructive as as not underwatering. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, probably just one more to finish up with pork um, relating to roses of a rose tree that was doing really well for a few years but last year it got what looks like rust did okay. the winter wash I did the winter wash and the spraying but it still has the rust and it's not doing well at all okay well that's it's, it's unusual that now rust is a disease of roses okay um, you generally need a copper based spray to for it to be effective now having said that um, if you're using rose rescue or rose clear that should be enough to keep it uh, rust free and um, what I would suggest is if there's a lot of old leaves on it last year's leaves and the rust is there on them try to take those leaves off remove those older leaves so take them off put them into a bucket and dump them because that's only carrying over the rust spores and the rust disease the new leaves that come forward particularly if you're using rose rescue should be perfectly clean so you know they, they will come out clean and by putting the treatment on every two to three weeks you'll keep them clean so i think it's a matter maybe of removing the old affected diseased leaves that are there that are carrying the rust spores um, make sure you feed obviously the roses water them well but also use the rose rescue every two weeks and that, that, that'll protect all the young growth from the rust Somebody finally is wondering is it too late to prune apple trees? Well apples are in full flower at the moment right so what I would do is you know let them flower let the bees do their work and then when they go out of flower you can do some pruning but make sure you don't prune back prune away any of the blossom so you can certainly shorten back a foot of two of the top growth the kind of growth that has no flowers on it so 
wait until the flowers go off them, which will be another week or 10 days, and then shorten back the long whippy growth by about two thirds um, and give them a feed as well. And it's going to be a fantastic year for apples. They're, they're absolutely loaded yeah, lots, with flowers. Lots of blossoms oh, everywhere. Really, huge amount. And, and even with the, with the windy weather, the bees are still getting out. They're very active at the moment. So um, I think there's going to be a great set this year for fruit. If anything, we'll probably have, you'll need to thin the apples in June or July to reduce the quantity because there's going to be that m- amount of fruit on, on trees. So otherwise what you end up with is a lot of apples. But a lot of small, small apples, yeah. Or, or branches breaking with the weight of apples. And pears flowered brilliantly this year. Plum trees flowered brilliantly. So I think there's going to be a really, really good set of, of fruit this summer. It's going to be a good fruiting and bountiful year. A bountiful year. Well, on that note, we <laughs> shall have to leave it there for uh, this bountiful programme, Borek. OK, we'll uh, do it all again next week. Back again next Saturday, absolutely. Thank you very Thanks, much Deirdre. indeed. Not at all. Uh, that's my lot indeed for this morning. Stand by, we're out and about. After the news at 10, Michael Neary is coming live from the rugby club in Ballina. And uh, news on the way next with Angelina Nugent. Until next Saturday from me, Georgia Kelly. A very good morning to you. Enjoy the week. Weekend.